September 26th and 27th is the third annual Manitoba Podcast Festival. This year's event takes place exclusively online and you can participate for free. Visit the Manitoba Podcast Festival on social media for more information as we get closer to the date. interesting um it was a horrible experience actually <laughs> uh shit, what actually, I can i get you just to I'll close the door there behind you damn i forgot what i was gonna say thank you sir you took a podcast a pod class a pod class pod class i guess what i realized is there's a lot of people that are using their podcast to sell uh to sell their classes Oh. I teach classes on podcasting on how to be a successful podcaster. Do you have a successful podcast? No, but I can make you into a successful podcast if you just buy my course. And every episode of this guy's podcast is how to be successful. But he doesn't actually have his successes in teaching because he ropes people into his pyramid scheme of I'll give you a free class and then you got to go pay $300 for the, the real one. To think when DARPA made the internet. It Sounds like Nexium that is. I got mixed up with. <laughs> <laughs> Where's, when do I get my tattoo? When do you brand me Grandmaster? I, I hate, I don't know. That's apparently a great podcast. The Nexium podcast? Yeah. That, it would, anything about a cult, I think, would be, because you're just like, how so, do you get wait, suckered wait, so in? They act, do they actually have a podcast? Like their own podcast? No, they have one that sort of uncovers the whole. <laughs> ne- no, that would be amazing. <laughs> no, no, but, okay. Yeah, That'd there's be... one that uncovers the whole yeah, story yeah. of Nexium. Yeah, yeah. Investigative. Nexium is that like a like an anti inflammatory diarrhea? <laughs> Upset I like stomach. I think it's diarrhea. a hair. It's a hair growing drug. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Imodium, maybe that's what <laughs> Now with twice the now with twice the Nexium. <laughs> Nexium may cause side effects, <laughs> such as that whole. So that was the sex cult one, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So Keith Rennie. That was the downfall of my biggest lifelong crush. Really? Oh, of what's her face from uh, Chloe Sullivan from yeah. Smallville. Yeah. The second time we've referenced Smallville. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I can do it a third time. They're filming <laughs> Burden of Truth right now, the fourth and final season, which is the show filmed in Selkirk for the oh. last four years. Okay. Kristen Kruk. <gasps> She's in it. She's the oh. lead. Female. Oh, sorry, I did it three times a charm. (laughs) But yeah, I had uh, that was uh, my wife and I met around Smallville. That was our introductory. That was our conversation starter. That and the the show Lost, which is a really good way to get into what we're just about to talk to. Sweet, a time island, (laughs) my favorite. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, she was a she was a fan of the show, and I was a fan, and I'm like. I'm a nerd. I don't expect anybody to like what I like. And she goes, you like Smallville? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I think Lex Luthor is sexy. And, and I go <laughs> like this. <laughs> you see how smart I am. <laughs> Not as smart as. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, that was my crush was her. And, yeah. and then oh, she nice. went crazy and pledged yeah. her allegiance and I'm, to And I'm really mad about it. I was following her on Instagram and everything. And 
So, so it was like, you, oh, her again, huh? She was like rubber stamping them as they came. Like she was, yeah. the, she was oh, like, she was the Delane Maxwell. Of yeah, she, <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. That's she's the Maxwell <clears throat> to her his Epstein. Yes. All right, I'm gonna move this back a bit. So sure. I actually, see. Do you guys actually watch Lost? I've watched it three times. Three times. Yeah. The whole series. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna love this. Time. So did you like the ending the third time? It took me twice to understand it. He said he liked the second ending better than the third. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> what, what, what <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> See, that's what we do. He's the technical guy. I just yeah. add stupid jokes. Yeah, yeah. I'm nothing without him. There's the comedy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm even less when he's here. So, <laughs> um, yeah, But I, uh, yeah, no, I, I finally liked it the third time. Because I understood that it was a... Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's our rule? Our rule's two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two weeks on any movie, if you haven't seen it by then. We will, we will, we will go spoiler alert, but like... We won't just lax like lazily talk about it. We'll we'll, we'll deep dive. Yes. So, um, spoiler alert for a show that ended in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're ever gonna watch it, I mean, you need a lot of time and a lot of weed. Uh, <laughs> yep. Does help. Random polar bears running through a tropical island and all that shit. But uh, I think it finally uh, clicked that it was just a lesson because it's Damon Lindelof. It's J.J. Abrams, right? Lindelof went off and did Watchmen, went off, mm-hmm. went off and did The Leftovers. Um, so he, The Leftovers, in comparison to Lost, actually is an even bigger lesson in, like, death and um, uh, grief and loss. There's real no ending to Leftovers. So after seeing The Leftovers and going back and watching Lost another time, I was like, okay, this is about the evolution of death. Not so much about what happens on this island. This island is just the thing that's fucking with them. It's great, but it's not the over. It's not the complete story. The only reason I watched Lost. Wait, was it Lost? Wait, that was J.J. Abrams, right? So he had that, and then what was the show he had before? Alias. Alias. Yeah, yeah. Alias is that's the why I watched Lost. I was a huge Alias fan. Well, I mean, and he failed upwards. He went from TV to Hollywood. So yeah, that's, that's yeah, that. failed up. Yeah. So on that <clears throat> note, on the lost note, so episode fifty, the real debaters. I'm going to provide a link to that episode because I want people to go back and listen to it because it was a very entertaining episode. Oh my god, my, I listened to a bunch. My face slightly, hurt slightly after. inferior. Cast well, yes. In that episode. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I there was like something missing. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah, the <clears throat> je ne sais quoi. <laughs> The juju. The juju. It wasn't quite a juju. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, actually. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. My geekdom doesn't have any limits. Yeah. It goes yeah. in all directions. Here, let's just fix this here. All right. So the throwaway line that you guys had that spurred me asking you on the show, because I wanted to have the perfect game to play. So the game that we play on this show every once in a while, the biggest rated episodes, is the Versus game, which is very similar to the debater game, which is what you guys do in every episode. So in the versus game, we pit two things against each other and everyone, and you have to provide an argument for both sides or you're going to pick your side Ooh. and provide the argument. And it's, it's a battle to the death. Thing. Okay. All right. All right. So that's, that's how the you debate. That's how you debate. <laughs> but it, it's not like who's, you know, who's stronger, Superman or Shazam. You, you can't base it on strength. You no. have to provide an argument. This is where the writer in you comes out and explains why one is better than the other. All right. So that's the the nature of versus. So it's a game we've played a million times. Not a million times. Probably about a dozen times on the show. I didn't wear sleeves, so I'm ready. 
Okay, so <laughs> nothing to roll up. Nothing using to roll up. using the premise of verses. So the, the the throwaway line from episode fifty was <laughs> someone commented about Guy Ritchie, right? Yeah, because so, I can't remember who had picked the, the Guy Ritchie film. Um, oh my god, it was a Guy Ritchie film. You guys were talking about, I think. You guys no, you guys are talking about he did a Arthurian movie. He did King Arthur. King Arthur, right? Yes. Yeah. You guys are talking about that. And you're like, what if Guy Ritchie could have made a proper King Arthur film? Yeah, Instead okay. of studio meddling and all that sort of stuff. Well, there is such a property available on the market in Hollywood right now. Oh, which mm-hmm. one is it? It's called Roundtable. And it's from uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who is the writer, one of the writers on Lost, who was brought in on season three. Oh, to, to come shit up. To come fix to come fix the show because it was starting to veer off. Yeah. He was brought in and then he was the showrunner or one of the principal guys, I think in season four or maybe it was five. I can't remember. But anyway, the best season of the show was the one he was in control of. Okay. Now who's Brian K. Vaughn? Does anybody know? Does that name no. ring a bell Not for anybody? An idea. No, because he's way at the bottom of the credits. Yeah. So Brian K. Vaughn wrote something called why the last man. Anybody here? No. Really? No. 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 no is probably the most optioned comic book to bring to Hollywood of of them all. Okay. Mm. Okay, everybody wants it and he's the kind of writer that I own this. It's not, you know, I'm going to sell it to only to the right people. Like he'll they'll get it send a treatment to him and nope, don't want So it, like a true artist. It. True artist. Yeah. So anyway, so he did why the last man um, and it was huge. What's what's the premise? What's the premise? Story? He's the last living male on the earth. Oh boy, that's a fantasy of mine. Yeah, <laughs> but the way he plays it, because he's such a good writer, it's not just you know the the typical uh, Budweiser ad where it's one guy at a party with a whole bunch of hot women, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's not it's that. not the Maxim version of this. Yeah, it's not yeah. the Maxim. It's the real life version. What would you do? Like not Bill Hader's version. No. <laughs> <laughs> But he has to deal a T Rex skull. A lot of the time, he has to pretend to be a woman because some want to kill him, right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And some want to be the one that they're going to be impregnated by, and none of them are nice. So the premise it was it was a great series. I think it ran I don't know 100 issues. Anyway, I have them all. So he went from that. He he started winning awards. Everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? So he went on from that. And he wrote, um, he did Runaways, which became a show on Hulu. Okay. Um, I, know the, I know the name. Yeah. Very, very popular. So popular, Joss Whedon was a huge fan and begged if he could take the series over when he was done. Oh. Wow. So he's he going to yell at more people? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so from that to the next, in the end, the guy's got 14 Eisner Awards, 14 Harvey Awards, and he's also won a Hugo Award. He's won, Hugo's huge. Hugo's huge. But a Hugo Award is not for comic books, but he still won. It's a literary award. It's a literary award. Yeah. So he's one of those guys. He's probably the most prolific, awarded comic writer nowadays. So when he was doing Why, because Why was so huge, they're like, we got to get this guy on our show on Lost. Because Abrams, 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 he's a massive comic nerd. And he's like, this guy's, let's bring this guy on. So I don't know who contacted him, but they brought him on to fix Lost. Get redirection. So anyway, after this, this is guys like the most sought after. He has the most sought after comic book they want to make into a movie. 
and everybody wants to deal with him. But he's a guy that's like, no, I'm going to do what I want. So he writes a screenplay called Roundtable. The premise of the screenplay (laughs) is in ancient times, Merlin had his Knights of the Roundtable. And he kicked ass. And then there was no problems to the realm. So eventually... Lancelot, Arthur... Yeah, yeah. Like all those big guys, right? So after... In the ancient times, they do everything they're supposed to do. They they stop Morgan Morgana Le Fay or Morgan Le Fay, depending on which uh, you follow. Um, everything's fine. Everything's fine in the world, and the Knights of the Round Table are done. And you know Merlin settles into retirement in New York City, playing video games <laughs> New all York the time. City. Really, this is the actual. This is this is the premise for the movie. Okay, so is it, it's it's like they did their shit. They when... did their shit in the beginning of the movie. It's big, you know, sci-fi fantasy epic. You know, big battles, all this sort of stuff. And, and now Lancelot's and, at Best Buy. Well, well, no. Like, once the knights are disbanded, drunk. then everything's done. But the only one left is Merlin because he's eternal. Oh, so he retires okay, to New okay, York okay. and he's okay. playing, you know, Fortnite all the time. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, Fortnite. imagine fat, imagine fat Thor from the Avengers movies. This is Merlin. Okay. Fat Merlin. But this was written, written way before, you know, this was written back in 2008. So, that's before I, I think that's that, right around King Arthur with Clive Owen. Because uh, they did. There is Clive Owen's in it. Um a couple other names. I'm, I'm I know there's bigger names in it. Actually, the knight from Knight's Tale, the bad guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he yeah. plays Lancelot. Okay. His name's gonna elude me. Uh so that was but that's right, I there's think. There's a big a, medieval stage in there is Hollywood a mid- at that time. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it was very chic. Yeah. Yeah. In the back lot. <laughs> okay, so here's so here's For, where his so this is what his sorry. For, you get? Fortnite didn't exist back then. No. no. But I guess he's playing video games. They said he's playing video games E.T. online. <laughs> he's playing E.T. Oh no, he's, he's probably E.T. playing oh uh, he's probably playing WoW. Yeah, World of right? Warcraft. Yeah, he's gilding. Yeah. He's yeah. in a gilding. guild because he's Merlin. He's yeah. a wizard. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's, so, he's just playing Second Life. So come <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. Spent all day in Second Life. Yeah. So his current so present day, New York, two thousand and eight, all of a sudden Morgan Le Fay comes back. And now he's like, shit, I need a new Knights of the Round Table. So he looks up who the Knights of the Round Table are. Well, who's the Knights of the Round Table now? Oh, this is good. Right? Michael Caine. Patrick Stewart. Oh, wow. The list goes on. I have a list here of everyone that's been knighted. He has to assemble a new Knights of the Round Table to fight Morgan Le Fay. So he's actually casted these people. Well, in the script, he cast three people. Or wait, three? I think he's, there's three people. He just, he just, there's three, one guy's a scientist, one guy's whatever, and they're all, one's an alcoholic. He he planned to have Simon Pegg. Um, Please, yes, yes. Simon Pegg. Uh, well, I had it all here. Who are all the names? So who would be, yeah, who, like what? So what an alcoholic present? ex-Olympian, which is supposed to be Ricky Gervais. Nope. Yes. <laughs> a grumpy billionaire, which could be anybody. A nerdy scientist and Michael Caine. So that's who he had, so that's who he had cast in his original. Wow. But he kept a lot of it open for the idea that, you know, we could take real knights and dames to make Dame this Judy movie. Dench, yeah, Sir based, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, based Sir on Patrick one it Stewart. Is. And if he can cast the actual Ian actors. Sir Ian McKellen. Uh Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Mega star. <laughs> Sean Connery. Yep, Sean Connery, yeah. So, Cass, okay, so this is the game. 
Oh the game is God. we're gonna we're gonna make this movie right now. Okay, okay. this All is right. the game. Okay, so let me open my thing here. Oh, the screen is so small. That's what she said. That's, that's okay. So <laughs> looks a lot bigger. We're, the there, there's so we're actually I'm actually gonna keep track of our winners. Okay. And it's all going to be arguments. So because I made the game, I can't play. But the three of you are going to compete. Okay. All right. And the winner of this debate or this versus, I'm going to put the winner down. And we're going to have a fully casted movie using only knights and dames. And then we're going to present it to him and see if he'll sell us the script. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> there, there, was, there was a bidding war for this thing. But he's like, no. I don't want that person. You know what I love about this is it's the, I'm just going to take one little aside. I love the idea of the movie where they round up the crew. Yeah. Like the Ocean's Eleven movie, right? Armageddon. It's always the round up the crew movie. This Right now you've sold me on it. Yeah. Yeah. Any movie where you round up a team. Like the Blues Brothers. So the first. (laughs) We're on a mission from God. Okay. So here's the first versus category. We need someone who's going to put this movie together. We need a director. So, based on episode 50, where you guys are talking Guy Ritchie, so if you had the choice of Guy Ritchie or Steven Spielberg, who directs this movie? Go. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. I only know Spielberg. Spielberg. <laughs> okay, so why? Why, okay, why? why Guy Ritchie? Okay, why Guy? Well, first of all, because that's two to one, so. Do I have to let him go first? Or can I go? No, no, you guys just. <laughs> okay, you, uh, you go first. No, you go first. Okay, go fine. Ahead. <laughs> um, Make all my points for me. No, okay. I'll 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 start with one. We'll go we'll go tit for tat here, so so we we don't chew up each other's shit here. Um, it's Mother England. It's not somebody you can't you can't bring in an American to direct a story that and has the story so- takes place in England. Guy Ritchie sensibilities so. when it comes to English culture. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Definitely. I want I want some Cockney. I want some you know. Um, Barney Rubble, trouble, right? Like the, yeah. the 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 rhythm and the rhyme that comes with Guy Ritchie. I like, I I feel that the action suspense that would come from this movie because all of them clearly have some sort of ability or power. If they're knights, they're gonna you know they're yeah. gonna have a skill. Even drunk alcoholic Simon Pegg, I'm sure, probably gets into like a shot for shot competition or something. Yeah, which would be great because you could see the two of them just being like, "I'm gonna out drink you." Yeah, right. And then there's something huge on the line in that scene. Watching the two of them go back and Guy forth. Guy Ritchie's with that. never directed Simon Pegg, has he? I don't know. Because that would be awesome. I think it's the the sensibility of of Guy Ritchie in the sense that he can combine your your action comedy movies really really well. I don't sure. know. I don't know with Spielberg. Spielberg. It, he sort of has like the 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 drama pull at the heartstring action movie. E.T. He doesn't. Home. Yeah, he doesn't combine. I don't think at least he combines the. The, the comedy with the uh, action. I just finally watched Gentlemen, and that's exactly the the quirky characters that he brings out, yeah. right? Uh, that that hint of comedy, but still the action suspense. That was movie. the movie you guys were talking about. I think in episode fifty. Yeah, it, I think it definitely was. Yeah, Todd, you have a. <laughs> this is a good argument. I don't know, Todd. Can you? <laughs> why would what, what could Spielberg bring to the table? Well, okay. You know what we were talking earlier about? Okay, we we're talking about music. Yes. And you guys are like, okay? <laughs> and you guys are like movies. So now you guys are talking about movies. Now I'm like, <laughs> okay? So I'm totally lost. Spielberg Welcome is the only really name that I know 
I mean, I've heard this other name before, but I don't know what movies he's done. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, Snatch, Aladdin. Aladdin. I just like give, I just like giving him shit for doing Aladdin, but I mean, you got to break out. Uh, but he, like, have you seen Snatch? Like Brad Pitt's character, the fighter, fucking Pike, yeah, the Pike, you, fucking you, you got to see it, Todd. This is a you movie for sure. The okay. characters he he gets like the biggest actors, which we're clearly looking at for this movie. Well, that's what and they want. pulls the obscure out of them. That's he why does. this movie has been made he because. Does. The budget of securing the talent yeah. for the film is—it's twenty million dollar checks per actor. Here we're talking. Like, oh, you're not so, going to get these guys off the couch. So for less for, than that. for mention, uh, Guy Ritchie has not been knighted or anything yet, but I think it's a this is how of, he does it. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> yes. why I picked him. He assembles now, the team of knights. Yes. Spielberg, Spielberg, on the other hand, is an honorary knight, and you can't be a knight or a dame honorary unless you're from honorary. unless you're from England. Yes. But he does have an honorary knight designation. It's like an honorary doctorate. I was going to say, like that's Guy Ritchie, about... it's like it's it's it, it's going to happen. It's a foregone con- foregone oh, conclusion. Foregone conclusion. Is that is that it? I I don't know. I, I think the compelling arguments toward Guy Ritchie here. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, like the characters, like uh, Handsome Bill and. Oh uh, yeah, handsome Bob. Okay, so handsome Bob. Handsome so Bob from Rock, Rock and Roller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the people who you and Donda are actually going to like. I don't know which one. Which what's the best snatch? I or would Lockstock? Well, okay. Uh, Lockstock is where you should start because that's where Jason Statham comes in. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. yeah, his, yeah. which is about a bunch of friends who try to get into a poker game and they fuck over the wrong. And it's always multiple crossover stories, right? So with Spielberg, you're going to get this start like to a Tarantino where there's a linear story versus yeah, and then all the the paths intersect during the course of the movie, and they intersect over the comedic points, like in Snatch, where Benicio del Toro is like trying to steal a diamond, and then he gets knocked out and locked in a van, and then they like it's just a comedy of errors combined with a sense of gentleman elegance with yeah. a really like Ooh. tightly sexy package. Gentleman, of, what a good way to describe that. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. So you're saying <laughs> the people, the actors that they pick, when he picks an actor. He doesn't go by, okay, well, your typecast is this type of person. So yeah. what he does is he draws a different part of this character that no one's really, really seen. Uh, who played Dax on, he was in The Gentleman. He was... Jax? Jax, who played Jax? Um, um, uh, Charlie Hunnam. So Charlie Hunnam. Oh, okay. Charlie Hunnam and Hugh Grant are in yeah. the opening scene of The Hugh Gentleman. Hugh Grant's a, like a little geeky yet, reporter. Yeah. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's like the geek. Hunnam's the gentleman assassin. Gentleman assassin, weed smoker. Right? Yeah, he's just sitting there lighting a blunt. Matthew McConaughey's like, the the weed kingpin, who's the American boy who comes over to London and takes over the, and the yeah, the, take the, the weed, weed business. The weed business. And Colin Farrell is uh, oh, Colin Farrell's amazing. He's just a local gym coach that yeah. teaches all the kids how to be tough. Okay, what's the name of this show? The gentleman. <laughs> the, gentleman. the gentleman. The gentleman. But yeah, I gotta write this down. You it's should have so a guy. Entertaining. You should Let's have a guy. With, uh, <laughs> Lockstock, right? Yeah, start with Lockstock because it's like. Mid mid to late nineties. He's genius. He was also married to Madonna for five minutes. He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Around Enough for one child. Speaking of weed, yeah. This brings us to the second category. Sure. Screenplay. Who should write the screenplay? Oh boy. Oh, I'm Brian K. Vaughn, the guy who actually wrote Roundtable. But I'm talking screenplay because there's the adapted screenplay. So this is the person that writes for the screen. So Brian K. Vaughn, who yeah. wrote the original Roundtable. Yeah. Versus the weed, Joss Whedon. <laughs> Bad. Ooh. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, That's what they call a reach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here. You can, I, yeah. you can grab a hole. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, Brian K. Vaughn's the guy who did it yep. versus Joss And he's Whedon. the lost guy. He he's is. the guy that made Lost amazing. Uh, okay, Mark, you go first on this one. I got to say the the original. I, it seems like a passion project, and anytime you get something that's that 
the deep rooted in a, in a person, yep. I don't think somebody else can to take the reins. I think they lose the soul of the story. So as much as Joss Whedon be great, I think that the original, even though I don't know anything about him, he's wrote successful shows. He's obviously got a very successful writing background oh, for yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, his vision is there, right? He's got the, it's sort of uh, uh, George R.R. R. Martin, right? Yeah. When yeah, yeah. they took, it's the difference between the writers that wrote the final season versus and, and yeah, Martin's okay. story that took him to there. He yeah. knows the entire world and only a small portion of the world hits the page. Yeah. And I think that's what's lost when somebody else takes your vision. Ooh, good. I want to say Joss Whedon, only for any other reason that I think Vaughn would be too close to it. I think as much as it's a great argument to give somebody exactly that, I think a consultant on set to oversee and be the final say, as opposed to writing it, because he's you're going to need a team, right? You're going to need at least two or three other people. I mean, Joss Whedon did uh, what two TV shows? He did Buffy and he did uh, he overlapped. Yeah, he was writing two, Buffy and Angel. At the Buffy same and time, Angel yeah. at the same time. And he like, also did Firefly. He's yes. also the guy that wrote wrote Toy Story. Really? And also the guy that wrote Speed. That piece of shit. Has he done anything good? Yes. <laughs> uh, he also <laughs> wrote the first Avengers film. I yes. Know. Yeah. No, I, I know him from I, Avengers. Yeah. 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 Uh, a great other Assemble the Team movie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See? Are you countering your own I, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just I think uh, as I think he should be there, but I don't think because he's going to be hard to deal with. If if, if he's already oh, putting because up because of what's happening right now, if he's already putting I, up a <laughs> bidding war, yeah, I'm just going on. You're hard to deal with because most writers are are begging for that first like 2.5 or five million dollar payday, right? Where they're like, we'll buy your script, whatever. They yeah. go to Sundance, they go to Tribeca, they go to TIFF, they just try to yeah, and they write seven and they just spam. Where this guy's been working on one, right? And it's his baby. And don't throw and my he's baby. And he's already said no multiple times. Yeah, don't shake the baby, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, But he's not directing it, Mike. I, no, I know he's not he's directing it. He's only writing it. He's, he's only creating the world that it's in. Yeah. As opposed, Directors just tell the story. They take the thing off the page. Where the writer's the guy who's like, I got to make sure what's taken off the page... But I think the... I think that your own argument is contradicting yourself because if somebody I else is that. if somebody else is writing it, <laughs> then he's not going to let them finish writing it because he's going to be over to their shoulder making corrections all the time. If he's consulting on it and somebody else is writing his idea, he's never going to allow somebody else to finish their script. Okay, his trailer has to be at the other end of the lot, and it's like a fifteen minute run, so it's just too much work to go see. Him. Okay, that's my caveat. Okay, Todd. Earlier when we were talking about <laughs> I like his real world perspective. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Let's I, go to Todd. Yeah. It's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I So the original creator or the guy who did the Avengers movie? We'll go with the original creator. All right. You're a wise man, Todd. Okay. Shut up. I think you should rename it Todd Geek. <laughs> <laughs> I do have my own, uh, uh, was it, uh, YouTube uh, channel. He does. Yeah. And yeah, his does. YouTube channel taught me how to make us sound better. So Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, we've yeah. been talking for the last week and a half. <laughs> uh, more like me bothering him, but go on. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, third category. Spe speaking of sound engineering, I like how it's segging. This better seg than the last seg. Uh, music. Should we have music that is, and this is 
one category into two subs. There we go. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we He's go. He's back in the game. Todd's yeah, back no, in the Todd's, game. Todd, this is I'll Todd's category. Todd's category here. So should we have a more modern score or a more classical score? And by modern versus classical, I mean modern, it's going to have I just need MDMA versus to be in the club. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. Okay, I get it. Star Wars versus uh, Tron Legacy. John Williams versus Daft Punk. Yes. Okay. Um, I will go with... Can I... Can I pull one out and replace one? You can do whatever you want. Sure. Um, um, 80 synth sound? You'll lose, but you can do whatever you want. um, No, help me out here, Mark. Uh, Dark Knight. Finnish folk band. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Iceland- Icelandic, Icelandic, Sorry, yes. Icelandic dubstep folk. The, the winner, the winner of this category has. There's a subcategory. It's called for, folk step. Actually, I okay. I think this should be a soundtrack. I don't think it should be a modern. Yes, I, that's I, basically I, what I'm getting to. Soundtrack versus okay. score. Yeah, soundtrack versus score versus I think rave. It, versus, I guess. Yeah, I think it should be a soundtrack. I think it should be. Similar to a train spotting, some Iggy Pop, Lust of Our Life, so, you know, so like a few songs in, a few songs in, some situational songs. You see, you would think that so talking. Wait, a score with some situational songs is that? What you're well, saying? that's or... usually okay. A soundtrack is usually that it is four to whatever amount of songs that are purchased and they have yeah, the rights sure. to play, and then they've got their transitions and their moment, like the three minute moment or whatever, yeah, where yeah. Tony, Tony looks into Pepper's eyes, and you know it's cinematic so i think it should be i think it should be predominantly soundtrack more than a modern or classical take only because these scenes where these guys are gathered if you put in some cool lyrics like i'm 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 using the example of using um can you hear me knocking in casino they play the whole fucking song start to finish when they're walking through the casino scored film that has a moment yeah but, or um, the Zeppelin song in uh, Ragnarok. Yes, that's kind of where I'm getting at. I, I, yeah, I like that. So your problem you're running into here, Mike, is it's basically been done already. I know. A Knight's Tale had rock music. It had Queen. Yes, Queen actually, did the right? soundtrack. So you already have the, the we, juxtaposition we, 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 of rock in the medieval era. Okay. So I think what you need to do is go classical scores with modern. All right. Right. Modern sound okay. on a classical okay. track. So you bring it into the modern era because that's where they are. So but you take a classical score, so you take a symphony, but so you're you both redo saying it. it's a blend of the two. Todd? Music guy? <laughs> blend of the two. See that almost sounds like a like music. What does? Which is more like music. Like elevator music? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think that's what you're was that kind of what you're referring to? Well, I'm thinking you take, say, uh, a classical piece of music, right? But you you replace the classical instruments, right. with newer age instruments. Okay, so it can be dynamic, right? But rather than like a timpani, you have an electronic bass line. Okay, so you it's you, not like Enter Sandman, but the Muzak version of it. <laughs> kind of, but it does. <laughs> Muzak tends to imply that this this calming, mellowed music, and right. I don't think you mellow it. I no. think if anything, you take a mellower uh, a symphony and then recreate it. I think I know where he's going with this, and to sum up perfectly, is Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch. 
Fight mm. uh, sure. yes. Club. Uh, the social network. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything that David Fincher's ever done basically has these two guys doing. Yeah, the Trent Reznor doing Johnny Cash. Yes, exactly. I think you should. To help your point. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So Todd's the tiebreaker here. Then. Yeah, it's almost basically. like a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. But like he said, having the, the music. Well, scores. Guardians had a score, yeah. But yeah. then it also had. But yeah, you the would almost culture songs. But there. I agree with what he's saying. You, you'd have you mix the, the new with the old, and you kind of mix them together because now you've got something that's medieval, but then you've got something that's. So this is that's Michael's argument. Yeah. So right. why not put them together? Well, no, that's more Mark's argument. My argument is I want I want lyrics. I want some hard rock. I want like I I can imagine this being, like I can because all these guys are geriatric, so I can imagine it being like a like. <laughs> Like a, like some classic seventies. Uh, okay. So this is where the comedy. No, no lyrics. No, no lyrics. Okay. No, I, I, I go no lyrics. Yeah, All exactly. right. Okay. So yeah. So let's look at it that way. Lyrics versus no lyrics. And okay. <laughs> yeah. Todd. No lyrics. No lyrics at all. No. Yeah, I it would want, have to be the music. I just, I, you know what? <laughs> I've been working on a debate that um, is your soundtrack. So your walkout music, your first kiss music, like all of the songs that you would want played anthemly in the background when life is happening, right? And I just always go back to like some of my favorite tracks that like some Neil Young and some I want the 1812 overture <laughs> meets <off>. Skrillex <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's a bad so, idea so speaking of Neil Young should we have old man look <laughs> at my <laughs> life yeah. vicka vicka <laughs> <laughs> right to make Mark happy right I can meet in the middle on this <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm not saying you're sort I, of a judgment night crossover judgment night was, yeah. yeah like rock rap yeah <laughs> See that was so that was Chris Rock. That, that was, was see in the crow. People yeah, remember yeah. people remember the soundtrack of that movie more than they care about the movie. I don't remember what the movie's about, but I have the soundtrack. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, there's a great Nine Inch Nails tune on the Crow yes. soundtrack. Yeah, like that's it's... where Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's, that's a that, classic tune. Yeah. That's first super band. Yeah, or not technically. Okay, so the, I don't. I'm sorry. As, <laughs> we, as, we the, as the judge, uh, there is. No clear winner, but I think we're going to have some original songs, maybe remixed a la Judgment Night, and that's what it's going to be. I, I can so I can... so instead of a instead of a John Williams, it's going to be more of a Trent Reznor ish, uh, an electronic remixed remastered yeah. kind of of a classic repurposed theme. classical theme. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's a blend. I just know what I like, right? Like I would still I would still watch Mark soundtrack, listen to Mark soundtrack. And and be delighted to yeah. see it. I yeah. just I I it's what what you like versus what you're willing to put up with. I like everything in here. So I think a blend. If you just do a classic soundtrack, it's going to sound like other stuff. This is an original idea. It's a yeah very original. And idea. you want the music to set the the tone of right. the scene. I think because yeah. I think this movie's going to have a lot of comedy, but it's also going to have a lot of holy shit seriousness. Yeah, and you can transition from comedic to serious by using by the, the score. music yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you know what's going to happen right? next yeah <laughs> i think there should be reimaginings of some classic music from that time yeah yes. you know yeah. like like uh, a little red folk, wedding like, stuff not from folk music but whatever like 
with the instruments from those the from lute. those days. The lute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously. The lute. But then it'd be, you know, the lute could be playing and then you're the pan, junk, junk, the pan junk. flute, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> What's this recorder doing here? So if we had to <laughs> Hey Herc. I've never heard the bagpipes so, <laughs> so my whole next versus category is all broken now. So I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say so so just just to put it out there. So the subcategories was if modern music won. Would it be Daft Punk or Led Zeppelin? Daft Punk all Daft the way. Daft Punk yeah. all the way. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Todd yes. doesn't know who Daft Punk is. And you see that? <laughs> I know I'll, I'll just agree at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no. And then for, for, for score. Yeah. It's like the gentleman where the, the crew does like that grimy English rap. Yes. But they're actually yeah. the, the oh, robbing crew. I love English rap. Yeah. It's so. Well, I'm a huge fan of English rap. And there's a bunch the of streets. Do you know the streets? Yes, I know the streets. Oh, do you? Spoken word rap mm. with that like thick English. Oh, I, like, oh is it like I, southern or northern? I, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Butterfinger, he does some rap, and he does uh, oh, like Stormzy H. I don't know all those guys. I mean, you gotta give me some. Are these drugs or bands? Bugsy Malone. <laughs> Bugsy. He's the one uh, who's in Gentleman. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, for score, I had. If we did the score away, would it be a John Williams or would it be a Hans Zimmer? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Hans. Hans. Because he can do... So Hans Zimmer's the guy that did uh, Inception. He's Christopher is, Nolan's bitch. Yeah, he's, Inception is my favorite soundtrack of all time. It's, Hands down. It's what I write to. When I'm writing and I'm in an action scene in the book, <laughs> right on right to Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And when it's a delicate moment... I also use, Hans Zimmer. No. <laughs> I use the Twilight soundtrack. Oh, really? The score is actually really nice. Really? Yeah. So do you actually I, do that when you're writing? Absolutely. You actually have music in the I background? I always have movie scores when I'm writing. Oh, I didn't know that. Always, I could see how movie scores would influence. Like, lyrics, you'd be fucked up because you're trying to think. Left no brain, lyrics. Right brain, right? be, but, like, yeah, something to set the feel. mood. Yeah. And yeah. Did you see his live concert that Zimmer did? I think, I don't know. I, don't oh, wait, no, me. there's one. Yeah, I think he has one on Netflix or somewhere. Yeah, and I yeah. don't know if it's Inception or Dark Knight. I don't know if it's the Dark Knight series or, oh, it's one of the two. Fine. But it's the whole movie start to finish through each scene, him on stage conducting, like just losing so his we mind. we saw the Lord of the Rings at uh, WSO. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Where you watch look, it. Look at then... all those movies you talk about. Like, talk about setting the scene with music. Like, hands down, Zimmer. Han, yeah. Hans down. Hans, Hans down. down. <laughs> He's the new. Williams is more um, Williams melancholic. Is, yeah, he's 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 a he's, he's a the guy that did Star Wars, Superman. He's a triangle. Yes, he's a he's a full flute section. He is yeah. he is strings in in every. Zimmer will have a piece of music in a in a movie that's just a piano. Yeah, ding ding ding. Whatever, like it, it, these composers. It's, but it's, he can go dark. But he can, yeah, I, he's my favorite composer. All right. So, Zimmer, copy. This is one of the best games I've ever played. Like, <laughs> it's suited okay. to you for sure. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I spent for, a lot of time doing homework here. I, I wonder why. Did I, did I put either of you <laughs> maybe through that? Is that the curse now? Yeah. Hi, this is James Beaver from Beaver Does Movies. Just got a question for you. Do you like movies? Do you like bad movies? Do you like bad movie podcasts? Because that's what I'm here to ask. Come check out Beaver Does Movies, a podcast where I pretty much just torture people with terrible, terrible movies in the hopes that they stop talking to me. So check it out, beaverdoesmovies.com, and I'll see you there.
Um, okay, so the next one is the studio versus. Do we want a small indie Ooh. or do we want a major studio? Basically, a the people that do Guy Ritchie movies or a Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal. If I may, I feel that Todd might be able to start this one. Mm. So yeah. let's, let's go in the corner yeah. there. And I, I would say go good. big or go home. Because this would have a budget. This Be- would have a big budget. Oh, you need that Disney because money. It, <laughs> yeah. Because it, it sounds very intricate where there, there's just so much to it that you couldn't really have it on a, on a smaller scale. If you want, like, Ethan Hawke's Hamlet, then go, you know, go with yeah. your independent. Go with your A24. Go with your Anna Arena. Go with all those, you know, like, they're, and nothing against them. But you're going to get the artistic... You know they're gonna pull focus seventeen times to get it all right. Where yeah, yeah. if Todd, like Todd says, you throw some big money at it, you need that two hundred, three hundred, that that one fifty to two fifty mark, if you want to get the special effects right, because that's the one thing that costs the most. Who did the modern Romeo and Juliet? Oh, Baz Baz Luthorin, didn't he do that? Baz Luthorin. Baz Luthorin. He did Romeo and Juliet and uh, Australia. Yeah, right? Baz, is it Baz Luhrmann? Because that's that kind of what guy? we're looking at—the the yeah. classical story yeah. with yeah. the yeah. real yeah. modern yeah. twist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I bite my thumb at you, sir. I do not bite my thumb <laughs> you at bite, you. You bite your thumb at me, sir. <laughs> I do not, sir. <laughs> uh, pox on both your houses. <laughs> so what's what's your? I uh, I you got to back it up. That you the cast we want, the director we want, the yeah. score you want. You need Disney money. Yeah, okay. but Guy Ritchie brings the the yeah. small studio sensibilities yeah. but he can get budgets now he's at that level yeah i think i love that he takes a huge actor and gives them like one line yeah and a cameo yeah. Yeah. that's a guy richie i'm movie. gonna put baby in a corner with you <laughs> <laughs> you're used to speaking one fucking word exactly bitch. Yeah. yeah just walk somebody through just for the the look yeah they're in the background. They're in the background, not in focus. Yeah. Right? Like, is that? Well, that's the the Marvel thing. That's what you need the money for. You do. Right? You, you do. need. Okay. So, I, I I like everything you guys said. So I'm I'm gonna step in here and say, you need you do need the money of the big studio, but you need a spearhead to get a movie like this made. Now there's one guy, who's getting a little bored and wanting to dip his toes somewhere else right now. Who's that? Hmm. Justin Theroux? No. The the guy that you need is Kevin Feige. He's oh. already making a pitch to do something Star Wars. If you had this guy as the spearhead for this movie, not the guy directing or whatever, but he's like, I want to make this movie next, no one would turn him down. And he would make sure it would have the indie feel. I don't but know. also be able to bring the big dollars. I, he's trustworthy because he's very he's a very good producer. But he's also friends with Brian K. Vaughn. Okay, well then you know what you had insider trading. <laughs> you know what? Keep a keep a Feige, and then I want to revisit the uh, the guy Richie and uh, entertain Taika Waititi. <laughs> oh my god! What a, co- what a fucking cocktail! Can you can you imagine? First of all, the three of them all trying to get along. Right, like that's three, that's three different styles right there. But I mean, that would be perfect. That's such. You a... know what you do is you take two different directors, one to to lay down the the first part of the historical part of the movie, and then you switch directors for the oh modern. Oh my take. god, you are you. You know what? You are on to something. <laughs> yeah, you could probably get 
the movie made for less because these guys aren't taking their full cut. So you're giving them a quarter of a movie. So you're Holy sharing shit. at this point. You just unlocked something, man. You seriously level did. up? No, level up. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus area. Found a fucking mushroom. No kidding. <laughs> no, this is this is fucking fireballs out your nose, man. Like, yeah, and with a star. <laughs> like, I like that idea because Taika Waititi is fucking amazing. He's I killing it. I love what he's done. He's killing yeah. it. Yeah. His old like Hunt for the Wilder People on Netflix is. I haven't is seen one. that yet. It's Sam Neill, right? Oh, Jurassic like Park. Neil, yeah. Um, it's he's like a Australian outback hippie so, mountain guy. So, so just to bring him in, oh, so yes. can can one of you explain <laughs> Jojo Rabbit to him? Oh, I haven't actually seen Jojo Rabbit. I know the premise, but the, it's adorable. Um, it's very heartfelt. So th- he directed <laughs> something called Jojo Rabbit, and he also directed like Thor Roger Ragnarok. So yes. he did a major, huge. Fucking massive, arguably Marvel the movie. best movie in the Marvel franchise. Yeah, easily, but easily. it's a comedy, <laughs> pretty much. Oh it's, yeah, it's a hundred percent. I know this guy. We have a working relationship. Like, yeah. like the fucking the lines. I'm Rock. He's Peg. You know, like yeah. oh, that's amazing. Right? Yeah, the the trailer for I almost feel like we should put the trailer on for it. But in the, in the <laughs> trailer, would it, it's his imaginary. Friend. The, yeah. the, the premise is simple. <laughs> He's a young boy in Nazi Germany. I believe it's just before the war is over. So it's the Germans at the height. His father is gone and he wants to be a germ, a good German soldier. But his mother is trying to instill in him. Um, uh, Black Widow. The fucking Scarlet Scar- Scar- Joe, Thank you. Yeah. Um, she's trying to instill in him good qualities while letting him explore this. And he has an imaginary friend who is Hitler. But it's a different <laughs> version of Hitler. Yeah. It's like a comedic version of Hitler. Okay. And he's the only one who sees him, but it's placed significantly, so it's like everybody's always in the room at like the right time. It's fucking hilarious. And it was nominated for it won. Whack of Academy Awards, it won. right? It yeah. won for screen? Best, screen? best screenplay. Play, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Now, when you guys watch movies, do you guys go by, because say you've never, you just see the title and maybe you see the trailer, but you don't know who the actual director or, or that is of the writers. Do you go by the writer's? When you watch a movie, oh well, it's it's this writer, so I like his stuff, so I'm going to watch the movie. Or do you just go by what the synopsis of the movie is? I'm, I'm more as we said before, I'm more of the feel. So if something captures my attention, I'm less about the behind the curtain. Whereas I think Mike is more of he knows which director is going to be doing this next movie. And talk like I mean, we've been talking about the new Batman, right? So yeah, you, the Matt you, Reeves Batman. Yeah. You want to see Matt Reeves' vision of Batman as opposed to Nolan's, right? Yeah, exactly. And I what? So he's so you're following the director here, I'm, who's also the writer. I'm right, following. Well, okay, because of my day job, I'm very lucky to be able to be proxy of the film world a lot of the time. So having that view, I have realized it takes a village to raise a child, essentially. Oh God, yeah. So. There's a lot more now that, having talked to these people, talked to the guys in special effects, talked to the people in makeup, having interviewed these guys on the show, I do stray to the technical aspect more. So I'm like, okay, that's a great director. I know how, I know, I know if he's doing a dove, I know if he's doing, if he's really big on close-ups. I know if he's big on pans. I know if he's on like on the, the long take, right? Like so the, it's the re- style, it's the style. Like I, my brain registers a style where Mark's brain registers an emotion, a feeling. Yeah. I have the same feeling, but my brain doesn't go there first uh-huh. unless it's something that I've already been previously attached to a comic book, a graphic novel, 
a TV show converting into a movie, if I've already got a history with it, then I'm going for sheer joy. But if I don't, then I'm like, okay, Wes Anderson's new film. Wes Anderson doesn't make movies. He makes worlds. The color scheme is is, is dwindled down. So that's where I fall on the... So you're like in the background of it. So you yeah. see a movie. Who, I'm, I'm Oz, motherfucker. It, who's doing the effects? Who's doing the sound? Who's doing? You you see all that, and then you compile your. Okay, well, this will be a really good. I movie. wouldn't say I compile. I would say that it piques my interest. Right. And, and then, I suspend my disbelief yeah. completely, because I have an acting background. So I love like getting into the movie and right. feeling part of it, right. as opposed to dissecting it into. Yeah. Oh, that was a great long take into a close up. Did you see the way that was a one shot pan? You know, there's no this breaks. This really good as a one-shot, yeah. yeah. Like uh, Birdman. Take. Birdman, yeah. Birdman, right? It, like, can you imagine that whole shot was just one take? <laughs> you know, and it's, like, incredible. And I'm that's like, but a, the emotion that that's Keaton a, brought out was... Yeah, see, and, and but I, I'm there now. I'm, I'm trying to be more like him, yeah. where I go, I don't know a fucking thing about it, and just go into it and be pleasantly surprised. I went and saw the new Winnipeg Sean Garrity flick last night. Okay. And watched the trailer once. Went in and was just like, I was in tears. I was laughing, and I enjoy it much more. I still lean to the the, the specs, but uh, I'm trying to be more. I don't so want to. I don't want to see how the sausage was made. Yeah, so I just want to enjoy the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So if you went yeah, into, exactly. yeah. if you went into, so so music analogy wise, it's like going into a record store in the old days because albums, yeah. nice big album, and you're like, boy, this cover looks cool, and you go, you take it home. You take a chance. It's like seeing the trailer for yeah. a film, right? Yeah, no, totally. It's kind of the same the same. Obviously, deal. a band you've never heard of before. Yeah. And you see it go, oh, look at that. But, well, when you but hear... you're the guy that goes, oh, my God, that's the bass player that used to play in blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, uh, oh, my God, they got uh, Bo Hill to, uh, to, to master the album or blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, my God, this cover looks awesome. And I'm like... It looks spacious. Like... It makes me feel... Yeah, and, and you play it like I'm like, oh my god, the feeling it gives you, like that yeah. that deep roar of the bass, and or, well, you're big into music, Mine, Todd. When, so yeah, feeling. what do you Mine, hear, Todd? Mine's, Mine's feeling. But do you hear like, are you a kind of person to pick up? Like, oh, did you hear that chord progression of the the lead guitarist? And you know, are you hearing those individual instruments? Oh, he's or triple you... kicking in the fucking <laughs> kit, right? Yeah, like... I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> Steve Vai, okay, Passion Warfare. The first time I listened to that, I cried. It was that deep. There was songs in there that just it just reached down like mm-hmm. that's how I challenge you guys to listen to that album in the dark with headphones on. And if you're very if you're, that's how I listen not, to music. Yeah. So that's yeah. the really? the movie oh, analogy. Okay. Of, there you go. I was yeah. huge into music when I was a kid. I got into car stereos, but not like the big booming system. I was into like I got into jazz. And oh. and classical music into sound staging. So yeah, yeah. I sit in my car in the driveway and just listen to music in my car yeah. with my eyes closed. Just the quality. Yeah, right. right? It, or you know, a mic, uh, some recordings that were mic'd by like nine different mics, and you could hear the fingers slide on the strings, yeah. and you know things like that. That just it, it speaks to me, even though I knew nothing about music. That's how I am with movies. I found myself, you know, when you, when you when go you're, back to the Steve I thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish, yeah, yeah, yeah. finish your thought there. No, just when I when I listen to it. Uh, just some of the songs on there and the way he plays and he plays with such feeling uh, it just it just reaches down into your soul and it's it, it's like you said you could just sit there and just close your eyes and just listen to it yeah and it's just it's awesome and, and some of the songs that he has um, I mean I've listened to some other albums like I think he had Flexible and yep. um, some other ones but but that one but that Passion and Warfare was was wow at the time that album when it came out 
won a Grammy for an instrumental album, won a Grammy, went platinum, <laughs> first ever instrumental album to go platinum, and it netted him the job as uh, for White Snake. White Snake said, "We need a hotshot guitar player." So they went to Steve Vai, gave him a million or two million dollars up front. Jesus, you need to come on the record and redo all the guitar work, <laughs> oh, for, wow. and then tour with us for two years. That's it. That's that was the con- that was the contract. And then they also paid him like another five million or whatever. That's like, crazy. This was like That's Tom cool. Cruise money. Like yeah, he was fuck you money. <laughs> yeah. Now I know why you said no. No vocals. No vocals. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But I, I, Let the I, music speak for itself. He, he does that have, album's amazing. He it's... does have music with vocals, but no, yeah, it's not, not, it's not, not the same. If you listen to the radio, um, you know, normally you listen to music, and then you're, you're switching channels, and all of a sudden you get to this one where it's a, it's basically a big band, or it's got, you know, look at the violins, you get the mm. whole thing. And I stopped, and I was listening listening to it, and it's and it's totally not my type of music, really. But when you listen to it, it just the, the, the feeling of all the instruments together uh, in that type of atmosphere, you can kind of feel it and hear it, and it's like a grander scale. It's like, it's, a, it's like a different level. It's a different level altogether. Yeah, I used to listen to some big band music because it was really, you know, vibrant mm-hmm. and alive and lots of, like, the big stand-up bass, and yeah. you could really feel all those instruments. Yeah. Yeah. These, yeah. guys, these guys are these guys are audiophiles, and they're really yeah. into yeah. it. They're like, into it when they're playing. You can you can tell. I always have this argument with my my wife is that she's big into country music because she's loves the story that the vocals yes. tell. Right. So when she says she loves a song, it's because she loves the story, not that she loves the music because the music kind of sounds the same. Right. Yeah, but I love the music, and I don't but really story, care. But the, the story is a little bit different from song. The story is so different. Yeah. yeah, it was a dead cat in this one, and it's a dead dog in that one. <laughs> so yeah, and so, it's, I can totally see what you mean. Where so, it's the the music, not the okay. So the are, do you listen when we're going back into music here? So if you're listening to music, what's the first thing you hear? Is it the words, the string of words together, or is it the song, like the melody? What are you hearing first? Because you're hearing the. the you want to know what I'm hearing first? Yeah, I'm hearing for my place to start singing. That's what I'm waiting. I'm listening yeah. for when I can start to interact with the song. So, I have never been somebody to lie there and let music do its thing. I've always been very situational with music. So I'll I I grew up in like from grade four to grade twelve. I was in choir and vocal group and stuff like that. So like I could I could hold my own. So. Um, I always wait like the performer in me will never die. It's always asking for more light. Yeah, sure. So, but I'm always, I'm waiting for where I can start to interact with the song because I have more enjoyment singing it along, nailing the lines. And I'm, I can listen to it better if I'm singing it than just listening to lyrics, which is gotcha. how I'm like, I, 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 if I say the words, then they start to have an effect that the songwriter intended to have. Whereas if I'm just listening to it, I'm lost. Like the ADD kicks in and I'm like, you know, red puppy, green bull, bull goldfish, whatever. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, at concerts, I do it. I don't care. Like I'll sing as quiet as I can. So I'm not cutting somebody else off, but like at folk fest or anything, it's an interactive experience for me when I start to enjoy the song. So you're on the bus. Do, do people kind of look at you funny? Or? When I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, 
I would catch my like sometimes I'll be walking up the stairs on my way home and I'll just like I'll just blurt out a, uh, like a song lyric that was like the last thing in the car and there's always somebody coming out of their apartment <laughs> and they just look at me and I'm like you know I'm like I don't have Tourette's I swear like it, it, you just walked in on me expressing myself publicly in the public. I'm walking on sunshine <laughs> yeah. oh yes. sorry sorry, yes. sorry sorry no totally that's exactly what it is <laughs> well, hey. that's he I think he likes that song I think I do a, yeah that and I'm so excited I'm starting to feel good. Just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. Oh, yeah. You know, when uh, you were listening to the jam session that we did? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you listen to Cheap Sunglasses? Yeah. Okay. Did you find that there was a lot of feeling into it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh That's our favorite song, because you can actually, you can get right into it to the point where everyone's just kind of grooving along together. So, okay, so that's a song... Well, we're totally off the... Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, we'll get yeah. back there. Yeah. 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 So, okay, do you guys know the song Cheap Sunglasses? ZZ Top? Are they at night? No. Okay, sorry. Oh, that's it, pretty it's, hard. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a ZZ Top song pre their big super popular album that had legs on it and shop, dressed, man. Like, yeah. It's pre that. So when they were groove, they were southern blues mixed with groove and rock. So they were they had a super groove to, to the way they sounded. That song, when you guys played that song, that's the one that really stood because I how many comments did I make? Yeah, you made we're it. both at work. <laughs> we're both listening to the jam. I was I was sending him a podcast on uh, <laughs> to edit on Dropbox. Okay, and that week on the Monday we had the jam session, and then on the on the what was it Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah. We had the podcast. So when I went into my Zoom recorder, it just puts a date on it, right? And I thought I had put the right thing on the right one, and you I sent me the, the and I sent him a jam instead of the yeah. actual yeah. thing. So that that's how it all came about. <laughs> it was awesome. But when that song came on, there was such a groove. It was like down, 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 down. Yeah, just gets that, oh, that's, that's amazing. What, but the 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 rhythm section because Todd's playing bass in this band. I get in another band. He's playing bass in. Um, Did you there, have to audition? Uh... <laughs> It was sort Kinda, of like yeah. yeah. I love it. Up. Like almost listening to you, I'm like, that funk bass just yeah. has that. <laughs> like yeah. it really gets to you. Right? Gets in your Holy. <laughs> See, that's what I hear. When I hear a song, it's the cadence of, I'm a drummer, right? So yeah. it's the cadence of One, the two, song. One, two, 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 three, two, four, yeah. two, right? Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. But if everyone's, if the guitar player, bass player, and drummer are doing a groove together, because it's usually just the bass player and the drummer and the guitars playing over top. But when the three are grooving, so it was you, I guess it was Dan. There's, well, there's on, four of us. Yeah, Dan on rhythm guitar, you and... Um, Randy. Dr- Randy. No, no, but so who's the drummer? Warren. Warren. Yeah. The three of you were just grooving. Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, fuck, that's, if that's not in your set, then you guys are stupid. <laughs> it was, it was stupid a perfect, brother. it was a perfect synchronicity, and it just... When you hear us, if you heard that groove, uh, like, then you're like, yeah. If you've ever this played makes a good band right there, yeah. right there. If you ever played in a band and you've got and you're in the groove, it's there's, it's not even describable what it, what it feels like. Oh, it's amazing. Like you can you can listen to to music and dance to it and kind of get into it, and you get people playing air guitar and whatnot. But but when you're actually playing in the in the band, and all the other people, and this is live. This isn't something that's recorded. Because you know when you when you listen to live music, it's a whole different realm than when you're listening yeah, yeah. through you in know, a studio stir. where everyone's playing separately. For yeah, right. So, but when you hit that groove, it's Sorry, just, there's no stomach. there's no other feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. 
Yeah, but I that was the song is like that's that's perfect. Well, they talk about. Um, I was just listening to a psychologist on one of the podcasts, and they talk about flow. So it's yeah, kind of like yeah. being in the zone. Yeah, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're describing. Mm-hmm. And if and and lots of athletes and musicians and performers talk about hitting the flow, and it's just this this feeling that comes over you, or even people that are like any kind of like a video gamer, you could even right. That's you're just where, in that yeah. zone, and you're like a, like speedrunners on old games. If you guys yeah, ever watch that yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just have that flow, and they just know what's happening, and yeah. it's like an otherworldly zone. You, yeah. And you lose time. That's and the big thing, yeah, right? Exactly. I was like, just going to say, I bet you yeah, come off stage time. after you get into that zone, yeah. and you're like, where did two hours go? <laughs> what the fuck? We didn't. We played the whole song for two hours. <laughs> That's why I like playing with him because I can it. I can get into that zone. Are we still him. doing phrasing? Phrasing. It's a Archer reference. Yeah. Oh, okay. The reason I like the reason I like playing with him. Oh. Yes. Every time there's a sexual innuendo, he's like, "Are we still doing phrasing? Is nobody else hearing this?" Touching his topic, really? You gotta watch more Archer. Um. Uh, I lost. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> right. So that was, that's why you that's like right. playing with him. I, see, that you was, guys this have is a, what happens. You guys have an otherworldly brotherly bond yeah. that's brought out through music. Yeah. Now, I, oh yeah. Okay. So there was uh, what I was going to say. There was another guy that I used to play with all the time. Me and another. Still not doing it. Are we? Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was another guy we, I did music with. Okay. Okay. Um, and what we would do is often one of us would write the music and one person would write the melody or the vocal, right? And, and we'd always... Share the load, yeah. We, we'd swap all the time. Are we phrasing? <laughs> <laughs> Just can't get away from it. Stop it! <laughs> so there's there's something about having that groove and that flow and that mental yeah. Yeah. connection, right? So I wrote this song about I, I someone who had committed suicide, and I wrote these really heartfelt, heart-wrung lyrics. I just wrote it as a poem. It was never meant to be anything else. I wrote this out, and whatever it was, I, I gave it to him, yeah. and he wrote a pop song around it, mm. and it totally didn't go. No, but your wife or yourself, <laughs> sir, you'd hear the lyrics go, "Oh, this is great." Yeah, but you would hear it go, "This doesn't work." Yeah, so that's the difference. He wrote it. He's like, and he wrote a, a great fucking pop song. It was probably the best song he ever wrote as a pop song. But the lyrics were so heavy and so emotional. Well, that it, the the science behind it all is is baffling. Like you, you really can change. Like when he mentioned Trent Reznor doing Hurt, like that that changed. Or sorry, um, Johnny Cash doing Trent Reznor. Like that's a different take on it, right? Yeah. And as much as it's a cover, I mean that worked out. But you can really take a deep message and lose it in you know some yeah. poppy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But sometimes the lyrics are perfect. Like I'm walking on sunshine. Wait, wait, wait. If that was done, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> like it wouldn't work, right? No. Don't worry, like, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. That's a great example. Imagine That's it. not a happy song. Oh no, no, it, at all. No, it's about getting through the anxiety of life. Yeah. It was. It was. But it was intended to be. Let's hide it. Don't worry, be happy. There, I, there's another song I just heard like that where it was a pop 
pop tune, like you said, yeah. but somebody slowed it down and put the emotion into it that was meant yeah. in the lyrics. And you're like, I used to bop to this song and now I want to cry. Like you don't yeah. realize it's about somebody's internal struggle and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, some, sometimes the lyrics hide the shit and sometimes the music hides the bad. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's a and once in a while the two meet. Yes. Perfectly. <laughs> so studio small versus okay. large. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. I think, we we all settled on large. Settled on large. Big yeah. money with the small town feel. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but uh, like the a, Hill a director can control. <laughs> <laughs> they jump. They made it, well, yeah, jump. Uh, didn't they make that? Yeah, uh, that was about a guy that was going to commit suicide. No, 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 no. The actual video. The, the, oh the, yeah. The production. Yeah, yeah. They made it look like something someone did in a cabin. Yeah. In the backyard. Well, they made it for like five or six hundred bucks. That video. Oh, I thought they. And they, the song is about somebody jumping. I thought they made it. It's I, not a happy song. I thought either. they spent like a ton of money. On that? To make it look. No, no, no. They found they someone with the two camcorders. Oh, okay. I'm just imagining my younger days at Jets games when they'd score and they'd play jump. And now I know this is a song yeah, about well, a guy who he was driving to kill himself. Roth was driving to the studio. There was someone that was jumping, and there was people going, "Just jump already." That's LA. And that's you. what the song was about. Hmm. Get it over with. We got to get back to work. Yeah. All right. Wow. Studio. What's next? Case. Okay, uh, the next one is product. Do we want it to be an American production or a British production? We're going to go across the pond. That's my answer. I I do not believe that if if you did this in America, America would bleed into it, right? So you want the big studio. Rara USA at some point in the film. Someone's going to be dressed in an American flag at some point. And it'll have nothing to do with the whole fucking production. You know that's what's, what's going to happen. So if you keep it in the motherland, you have the motherland influence. That's my answer. I agree totally. Okay, I agree totally. I am yeah. gonna disagree, as you do. I am gonna. <laughs> I'm going to say that the as much as as our, our cast and director and stuff is that it's got that. That's where the foreign flavor is coming from. Okay, but the fish and chips, so to speak. But I think the the I'm going to use the word again. I used it earlier. The juxtaposition. Yes. Of the the knights. And the, the, because you're going to get, we're talking Guy Ritchie, right? So he really accentuates the accents. It's not like this generic uh, British accent, right? Everybody's got their own unique, like you said, somebody's like got Brad the, Pitt's. Yeah, accents. right. Somebody's got the Cockney. That's somebody's got the, the proper English. <laughs> they sound really That's different. Trailer. So that brings the flavor. I think you need to set that and make the product an American product. In, like you said, New York in a big city. But you have the influence of the director and possibly yes. the actors. Because if the you, actors if you throw are all going to have to be British. If you throw that into London, it's just sort of a, a different vibe. Okay. I, I think you need the surrounding cast mm. to make those people stand out. It's the it's the person out of place that's going to work too, right? I can see his point. I was going to say, Todd, you're by yourself now. Um, (laughs) Like stranger in a strange land type of feel to it. Yeah. Because that is the story, right? The story is. I was going to say, it takes place in New York. Merlin's playing video. He's playing fucking Halo and, you know, kicking it up. I retract my comment because, yes, it would just be too on the nose to go back to London. Where if and it might not get the bank at the box office. Exactly. If it's a purely British production. People are so fucked up about that. They are. Yeah. Like, when you know, like, Nolan went to England. It was a it was done in... Nolan going to England is, is one thing, but Richie going to America is kind of the same 
but flipped. It is flipped. I'm just like, Nolan went to do Dunkirk in England because to yeah. do that sure. off the fucking, you know, Route 66 would just look weird and sunny, right? England's cloudy as shit, so yeah. the Dover Cliffs, whatever. But um, I go back to my Mark, Mark Wins. Well, or, let me let me pose a question to you, maybe, here, Sean. Um, do you want to win an Academy Award? Or do you want to mm. break box office records? Yes. Well, <laughs> some question. I don't think... That's I, a good question. That's a really good question. I think this wins technical awards. I don't think this would... Like, this is not a story that the bitches at the Oscar it Academy... All, it wins or, costume. It wins costume. <laughs> it wins special effects. It wins technical. It wins editing. It wins all the... Every, every other category after this particular one... Is awards? Is awards on the acting side. Okay. okay. So you can have a great production... But the actors can always pull pull some some great shit yeah. out of you know something that's maybe a little flash, a little flashy. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think the the big budget movies take huge actors and tone them down to some extent, mm-hmm. whereas Academy Awards are toned down movies with great performances. Mm. It's like having two people in a room, great actors, showing you their chops versus using all the CGI, all this eye candy. Yeah. Regardless, this movie's going to have comedy to it, so therefore it will not win any oh, no. Oscars. So. Yeah. Well, The Martian might... was nominated for a comedy, and I still don't know how the fuck that happened. Yeah. Comedy musical department that one year, I was like, The Martian? That's not, yeah. f- like, it's not funny. Like, it's funny but, in the but way it's that not, you... it's not a comedy funny. It's yeah. just funny. Not ha No, not ha-ha. Not even... <laughs> the fuck you find me funny? <laughs> Like, am I a fucking clown to you? Fuck you. You <laughs> said I'm fucking, fucking funny. You? <laughs> no use. Go on, okay, so John. So I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. Okay, so I, I think we're leaning on American, I think. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. I'm back. I'm back in the motherland. Yeah, he made a good point. Yeah. It just yeah. switched right over. And you're it's good, a good... You're, you're a good debater. It's... He's, does Spend not, a lot of time debating. Yeah. On mass. He's a master. On mass. Um, but this is also a lesson to everybody out there. Um, this is what happens when you can agree and disagree at the same time Ooh. without kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah. So... Where you go into Ooh. a situation with an opinion, but you're open to having your opinion change. Exactly. I like that. Open minds. The world could learn a lot from that right yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> The last, the last round of competition. <laughs> all right. So that was, this is all the production stuff. Yeah, yeah. Production side. So we have put the round table movie into production. Everything's all set. But what's missing? We still have to cast this film. Join us next week for the casting of The Real Debaters Sean Geek round table film. <laughs>